Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am so glad that you are listening to this episode of the show. Um, If you're listening to them in order, you'll know that we had TED Fest just recently, and I'm back from that, and this is our first episode since then. I would love to uh, introduce you to Craig Burnett, who's from TEDx Oshkosh, which for those of you don't know where Oshkosh is, that's in Wisconsin, which is dead in the middle of the United States. Craig, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. You know, we've got, we have people from all over the world. And one of the great things about TED Fest was 560 of us from all corners of the planet. Uh, so that was, that was great. Tell me, um, when is your show coming up? We're, um, our second year will be November 4th of this year. First, our very first outing was last year on October 29th. And uh, because of TED Fest, our license holder uh, was at TED Fest, so our cap is off, and we are now a full-fledged no-limit conference. Uh-oh, and what, what, are you, what are you thinking? What, what number are you looking at? <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of interesting. There, there are three of us in the co-organizer position is the way we've organized it. Uh, we, we serve as co-equals, although, of course, our license holder does sure. get to trump us if he sure. feels the need. Um, and so we sort of each laid down a little bit of a bet, and I'm not sure I should give it away. But um, <laughs> we, we feel that uh, 300-ish plus would be nice. That, that's, um, this is go. a community of 60,000 or so, so we think that'll be a nice next step. I um I'm I'm constantly asking myself that same question. We've we've been in the 300 to 400 range for we're going into our sixth show, and I finally found a venue that seats 309 perfectly, and I just like the vibe of that. Now, you know, if, if listeners of the show know that we've had you know, uh, upwards of 5,000 with uh, Kuala Lumpur and 1,000, 2,000. So there's a lot of people that like the larger Montreal is another example. Um, so it's, it's kind of to each his own. So we'll see how you like going from the 100 to the 300. So that'll be great. What, what, is your, um, what was your first taste of TED? You know, it's kind of interesting. And I had to think back about that. It goes back probably only about five years uh, when I was serving on the board of a local not-for-profit and a rather thoughtful executive director of the not-for-profit at one of our board meetings showed Dan Pilata's talk. That's a um, great talk. A great talk. It's a a wonderful talk for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is it's controversial. It's thought-provoking. It it covers new ground and it really pushes people's buttons. Yeah. And, those things really 
trip my trigger. Uh, that's mm. just the nature mm. of who I am is mm. I, I like to explore conflicting ideas. And I, that was literally my first exposure. Um, I'd heard of the Ted brand, but really nothing right. more before that. And so uh, uh, interesting enough, three years ago, Dan came and gave a talk at our conference for leadership for nonprofits. We have 1800 nonprofits in Santa Barbara. He did the keynote and it was, and he's just like that in person as well, which is fantastic. Right. Yeah. That'd be great. So, um, so you, you hear this talk, you go investigate it, you find out, you know, five years ago, there's, there's plenty of content on uh, Ted.com and you're watching some videos how was it that you got involved in doing a TEDx? Because that path is probably a little different. It, it's kind of an interesting path. So the way it happened here in Oshkosh is our license holder, Michael Rust, uh, grew up in normal Illinois, which is a fairly freshly new TEDx, TEDx normal. I believe they're three years old this year. And when he visited home to go see family, he, he found out about it and came back to Oshkosh and said, well, Normal is very, very much like Oshkosh. It's a county seat. There's a university there, um, relatively smaller population. And he said, well, if they can do it, we can do it, too. And he was having coffee with a friend and they talked about it. And he said, I'm going to apply for a license. Just like that. Uh, and he applied for a license, and then before he even heard, um, he started looking for co-organizers. And uh, he and I knew each other through a, a variety of means in the community, and then we recruited together one more co-organizer. And the three of us have worked as a sort of a close unit since then. And so you've done two. You did one last year, and then uh, you're doing another one this year. When did you start your planning for this year? Uh, for this year, well, the, the day we wrapped last year. Are you kidding? <laughs> we did it. We did a debrief um, over cocktails that night, and then we did a more formal debrief uh, the next week because we didn't want to lose track of where we were. Right. And, you know, right. right. We brought our team together and informally said, "What did we do right? What do we need to do different? And uh, now, what do we do next?" How many so on the core team? Well, it's kind of an interesting core team. The first year we, so the three of us serve as a joint co-organizer. Right. Um, we then broke it up into a production marketing, um, what we call venue, which is uh, audience and um, catering, right. uh, photo, right. video. Right. And um, I've missed something there, but a small group of leaders. Sponsorship. Uh, yes, thank. You. Well, actually, no. The three of us did that last year. You did that um, yourself. You didn't this, break that out. Yes, we also kept the speakers' uh, organizational piece ourselves last year, and we're breaking both of those things up to have their own team lead this Got year. It. Got it. And that's that's been one of the things that's worked well for us is to get really good people on the team and just let them go, and it's been really successful for us. I have a question for you because I'm, you know, as, as everyone knows, I'm an organizer myself. I do TEDx Santa Barbara. And so I'm in this uh, enviable position of listening to all you folks get the really great ideas and then turn around. And, and my team knows that God knows what Mark's going to bring. Who, who did he talk to last? Um, but one of the things I heard, I'm curious what your take is on this, is that you hire, and I use that term deliberately, 
um, your team leads, whether what you call them captains or or, or uh, directors or whatever that is, and then some people actually let that person then go draft their team. So they go out and they find people they've worked with, and and they as opposed to dipping into a volunteer pool and saying, okay, I need six people from the volunteer pool to come work for me, where they may have never worked with. How do you guys do it? You're apparently a mind reader because that's entirely our philosophy, is bring on good leaders and trust them to do their job, which includes bringing on their own team for their activities. It's not to say that we didn't have some ideas for people we knew yeah. that would fit on their team because yeah. we found that that having a strong network has been a, an important part of our success. Yes. So if a team leader was looking for someone with particular skill set, they might come to us and say, do you know someone? Right. Uh, but but it's, it's really like running any organization. You've got to get the right leaders and then trust them to do their job. Yeah, you do. You know, I've, I've, um, we had a, a big kickoff meeting because I've completely reorged how we do our event and based on everything I've learned on the show, um, which is good. And now my team members are listening to the show and learning as well. So they can be even better team members. But I've, I've always thought, I mean, the way we've done it in the past, there was someone who was in charge of volunteers and that was, and that's a very typical thing. And this, the way I'm thinking about it now is that the person in charge of volunteers is really like a staffing person. So they're the ones who can interview and vet and figure out what people are good at. Then the team leads can go to this person and say, you know, I need someone for X or I need three people for Y or we're going to need 15 people for the day of to help the food vendors, that kind of thing. So we're, we're going to try that. We'll, we'll see. I will, um, someone suggested that we do a before TEDx Santa Barbara interview because I'm trying everything, all these new things and yeah. then do it after what it's, <laughs> see what works. Yeah. So, um, have, have you been, uh, enticed to think about doing a youth woman or salon events? You know, it, uh, slightly, I, <laughs> We believe in controlled growth and uh, not distracting ourselves prematurely. Yeah, I agree. But uh, what has happened is another local community, um, oh, about 25 miles up the road, contacted us. Um, they're toying with doing a TEDx youth event themselves, and they called to ask for any insights we might have. And, right. and thrilled to help them with that. We want to see this as a as a collaboration with the communities yeah. in Wisconsin yeah. that do TEDx, not yeah. a competition. Yeah. But for us to take that on right now, that would be pretty premature. You know, we want to grow serenely and with stability. <laughs> we want to grow serenely. There, I love I love that. Uh, I'm you know there's a, there's a couple of uh, uh, guys who are retired. Um, who do, you know, they do a salon every month and they do youth and they do women and they do, you know, their, their main event. And that, that's what they do. They're retired. The rest of us are, you know, working for a living and, you know, trying to figure out how to do it. So I, I and I love the fact that you're, you're thinking regionally, um, Wisconsin's a pretty big state, everybody. So you, you can't be too, you know, you can't take the whole state, but, thinking about doing, you know, working collectively and doing workshops. And th that's part of the fun mm -hmm. of being an organizer is hanging out with other organizers and figuring out what works and doesn't work 
which is why I think this show works. You're, well, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and you've actually interviewed one of our uh, colleagues just on the road. Sarah. They're having their first year event this year. Sarah, yeah. yeah. She was in our audience with a, a number of her, her uh, cohort. And, um, wow, they're just going to house of fire. And it's wonderful. I, and we've I had know. good conversation along the way because – what we do helps them if we do it right. And what yeah. they do helps us. Yeah. And so they're not a competitor by any stretch of the imagination. They're a colleague and we help each other. I think that um, the TEDx crew has, has really kind of gone the extra mile to um, take out any kind of competitiveness. It used to be that uh, the youth license and the women license and the salon licenses in a community were under different license holders. And so now yeah. it's, you know, TEDx Santa Barbara has the license for anything underneath that. Um, and so that works out the same with Oshkosh. So I, I love that controlled growth. I am with you, my friend. I'm, uh, it's enough work to do one. Uh, what is it about, I mean, there's a, a real Midwest flavor. I mean, I, I love Wisconsin. And, and what is, what do you do special to make your TEDx unique? I would say there are probably three parts to that. Okay. And the first of them revolves around our community itself. Oshkosh has branded itself as Wisconsin's event city because oh. a lot of events happen here, all the way from the world's largest aircraft convention to sporting events. Oh, We're about to right. have – That's right a minor league basketball team moving here. Um, actually, if you've watched any of our videos from last year, Oshkosh is the world's busiest airport one week a year. Yes, it is. Um, literally. And uh, we had to talk about what it takes to actually get that to happen. 10,000 aircraft arriving in the span of that was, two or three days. That's, that talks online? Yes. I'll make sure yes. I make a link to that because I, I I love that. Awesome. It's it's a fun one. But, so, but the... The unique piece for us is, as an event city, a TEDx event fits so nicely into an unfilled niche in Oshkosh's event continuum mm. that we really wanted to add to that flavor. And it's just absolutely a natural match mm -hmm. for now. Um, it's for us locally. But thinking about serene growth and future growth, we'd like right. to bring people to the community. To, oh. to come to Oshkosh and listen to TEDx and enjoy the other things we have to offer. Um, another piece is we did very, very local flair. Oshkosh has a lot to offer, and sometimes people don't realize that. And uh, with the exception of one speaker last year, uh, everyone was from Oshkosh. Uh, one had moved away but came back just to deliver the presentation. And so we're, we believe we're always going to keep a very deeply local flair for the community it's it's a very tight fun old community but very tight and fun um and then the last piece it's 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 a it turned out to be a bigger piece than we thought we spread new ideas on the stage of a 134 year old beautiful opera house and it was just an amazing venue uh we we actually pitched it to our speakers in much the same way the uh facility pitches to artists that want to book there. They got to, our speakers got to stand on the same stage as Mark Twain. Wow. And wow. not too many small towns can say that. Wow. Wow. That's um, I'm a Mark Twain buff. Uh, so that's, I, I love that. 
Um, what is the um, ethnic heritage of Oshkosh originally? Almost, um, predominantly Germanic. Right. Um, in, and then there is some um, Scandinavian influence as well, but Got it. fundamentally Germanic. Got it. So great food there as well, I bet. Um, and broadening. It's it's interesting to see how we're we're not known for uh, cordon bleu, but yet um, you're you're going to have some pretty good meal if you come here. No, oh, I love that. Uh, I I also love that that um, aspiration to be a destination TEDx. Um, I'm working to do the same thing. We Santa Barbara is a big tourist city, and mm. the city is very amenable or open to ideas of people who are doing events that are going to bring more traffic at off peak time. So our mm-hmm. event in, in November is, is we're the week after you. So we're on veterans day, which is a particular favorite for us. Interesting. We, we chose the, the off season as well. Most of our events here, of course, happen in the summer and both for our own attendance, but also to the benefit of the community. If right, we do bring exactly. people into the community. And uh, just to other organizers thinking about when to do this, uh, I'll let you know right now, you get better hotel rates, you get better venue rates, you get better everything rates when you're off season, especially if you're in a town that's, you know, we, we made that mistake where the only day we could get the venue was the second busiest weekend in town. And so, so that was, that was a challenge. Um, you know, when we, you've now done this, you're going into your second year, you're a veteran, uh, you you divide the tasks over the three of you and then your leaders. Um, I, I like to find out what superpower you have uh, and, you know, organizing, collaborating, producing, marketing, curating, partnering, specifically for you, which, which one are you most like? If I can work outside of the box just a little bit, I'm going to say it's somewhat of an amalgam of those things. I think the superpower is recruiting. Oh. That's that's for us has been the magic is recruiting strong team members that are part of a network that can recruit further beyond. So I want to hear what's your what what's your opening because I I I love this I I wish I was better at it. What what is it that what's the tip or the trick there on recruiting? I think well. You have to back up about 15 steps, really. It's about having a network to begin with. Okay. Um, my One of my co-organizers and I are both Rotarians, which gives us a, oh. a broad-ranging network. Yeah, sure. And um, it also, we're each invested, all three of us invested heavily in volunteer activities in the community, which spreads our network as well. Yeah. And so when I say recruiting – I, I'm confident that when our license holder approached the other two of us, that was a consideration in his mind was who else can we bring along as part of our network? And then when we bring another person on board, it's the same way. And uh, an example would be our production uh, fellow. He is, he's an IT guy by profession, but mm. he loves everything to do with the theater. Oh, loves fantastic. it. And to the point that he volunteers his time annually multiple times to be stage manager at the same opera house that we uh, have for our venue. And so I've known him from a variety of venues and I, I called him and I said, well, 
you know, do you know about Ted? And he said, yep. And do you know about TEDx? He said, no, tell me. So right. I told him. Right. And I said, so Grand Opera House, October 29th, do you want to play? And he stepped forward and said, yep, I I'm do. And, uh, and, you know, that was a good example of some things where the, <laughs> in the beginning, the three of us, we probably had um, – a little overconfidence. Uh, I think when you don't know what you don't know, you can you can step forward where um, angels fear to tread, as the saying yeah, goes. Sure, sure. And the stage management and all the things that go with it, none of us had any experience or idea. And without this gentleman, it would have been a very different event. And it just came off seamlessly. Thank God I've had the same stage manager and he's family, so that helps too. Yeah. And he, but he did that back in the day, and he's retired now. But he just love, love, loves that part, and that's a unique skill. You know, you got me thinking when you said you were, you guys were overconfident. You, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, as a first year licensee, you're capped on a budget of ten thousand dollars. Yeah, and it's. You know, it's fairly easy to raise $10,000. Now, I know, listener, you're going, Mark, it might be easy for you. It wasn't for us. Um, I, I get that. But in, in when we look at some of these events that are, you know, $50,000, dollars $250,000, raising ten, if you've never done it before, it's a challenge. But, you know, you're going to find someone who can help you with that. Now, yeah. you're, and so you had to keep your, your budget, everything, you know, at mm -hmm. or under ten, right? Uh, plus the uh, ticket sales, which go on top of that. So knowing that and knowing now that you can go higher than that, and, and, and again, back to your controlled growth, your serene growth, which is my favorite new word, um, what are you, how, how are you handling sponsorships this year, and how are you doing it differently? Uh, last year, we did it, we kept it amongst the three of us, and we, we reached out to our network. Right. And including reaching to local philanthropists we know uh, right. and corporations right. where we know. And that's another good example of the network. Um, yeah. our, our presenting sponsor last year, none of us knew the CEO or the, the head of marketing, but we knew a couple of board members who got oh. us in the door. Right, right, and, right. And that's something that, that turned out to be hugely important in almost every action we took, not just in fundraising is if we don't know someone, we might know someone who knows someone. And so we did it ourselves last year. Um, of course, we asked all of last year's partners to come back. Yeah. Um, we've gotten commitments from several, uh, waiting on a couple more yet. Right, of course. And then, and then we uh, gave a purpose-built uh, crew to work on that this year. It's a crew of one. Who has good connections in the community yeah. and it's someone who it's the perfect time in her life to work on it oh great uh, so she's got time that she can actually do this and weave it in and amongst her other activities in a nice way so we feel pretty confident about it and we found that most of our expenses are fixed uh the facility with the exception of those that vary with with the number of attendees but you know the ticket price is largely going to cover that for us right so our our um, partnerships are helping to pay for our fixed expenses predominantly. 
And facility, of course, being one of the bigger ones that, sure. that most people come up against. And uh, audio, video, video, or another. And third one is food. And uh, right. right. So figuring figuring out how to do that is uh, it's it's what we're always grappling with. And then you try to find a printer to help you out, and designers to help <laughs> out, and all of that. Yeah. Um. What was so we we talked about being overconfident. Uh, what would you say is the biggest surprise? for you and running your TEDx? Yeah, I think there were probably a couple. And I'm trying to tell you what order I want to say them. Uh, well, I'll just go the order they popped into my head. The first one is the brand awareness is somewhat wide, but not deep. And by what by that, I mean that there's a, a cross spectrum throughout the community in all demographics that know TED Maybe they don't know TEDx, um, but I was surprised. We were surprised that there is a reasonable amount of lack of awareness of the TED brand throughout the community in some places. Um, that being said, there was plenty enough brand awareness that a sellout was easy. We right, could have sold right, right. way more than, right. than we wanted to. And I, I think our, our goal for this year is going to be pretty easy. Um, Maybe famous last words. We'll see. You know, have me record it. Um, another surprise, though, and it was a really pleasant surprise. Oh, good. Is that we worried that the hundred-person cap would get us some pushback in the community. People would say, "Well, for in particular the partners, how much exposure can I possibly get from a hundred attendees, or people that are looking for the big event?" We do big events here in Oshkosh, and um, with only the tiniest of exception, the support was overwhelming when people found out we were going to do this. It was like, wow, that is just amazing. What do we do? How do we find out? How can I help? How can I attend? And that was just thrilling, and it really was motivational. It really, really, really was. Did you curate your audience? No. Um we had some long and meaningful conversations about that. And our conclusion was it doesn't quite fit the Midwestern U.S. ethic. Oh, uh, It's a rather egalitarian oh. ethic in, yeah. this, yeah. in this part of the United States. Yeah. And we were, we were perhaps wrongly, but our conclusion was we were concerned that that might be seen as an elitist kind of an yeah. approach. Oh, no, fair, right? enough. Well, fair enough. So that's why we chose not to. Uh, so we just merely did it by who who could push the button on their computer the fastest. <laughs> I love that. We, you know, I, I I've I've curated and not curated, and the the thing that I look for is uh, I want to make sure that the person sitting on either side of a guest is um, not there uh, to market or network or I mean they're really there to. Help us get the. I mean, our job is ideas worth spreading. The period, full stop. And every the audience's job is to to be a great audience so that that speaker gets all of that great energy that they need to do the talk of their life, but also to be an amplifier for that. And if they're just there for personal reasons, we can kind of smell that, you know, <clears throat> when we when we uh, we ask. But we're. Um, and then this year, I'm actually going to reserve uh, 20% of the house for out-of-towners 
uh, because yep. I've got that long-term goal to be the destination TEDx like, like you're doing. Yep. So I'm going to weigh um, towards out of town. And out of town, in my case, is I'm not even sure where I'm drawing the line on that, but you know, we and I expect we'll sell out like you did in in 24 hours. So it's hard to yeah. that's a that's a challenging one. Speaking of challenges, um, my listener knows that I love dragon stories, and I love mm-hmm. uh, you know under under the pile of gold there is a dragon. And uh, what what dragon do you are you looking forward to slaying or did you slay? We had. As we were going through last year, very often we would have a meeting with each other and we'd all look at each other and say, what are we missing? Because uh-huh. things are coming up roses here and, and the world doesn't work that way. Right. Mistakes happen. Things are missed, et cetera. And it really went very well. I would say the thing that, that, that was closest to a dragon for us, and it really wasn't because it worked out fine, was um, – coordinating everything related to the speakers once they accepted yeah getting them from that point onto stage that next day it it was a proverbial in some ways herding cats yeah and uh we kept that amongst the three of us last year and that was potentially not the right thing to do so what we're going to do is have a team specifically dedicated to that in 2017 right one person that's good at motivating people and one person that's going to be really good at taking care of all the details. Do we have the signed agreements in, et cetera, and so forth? Do we have them signed up to go um, to the pre-evening dinner, et cetera? Right. So that was, that was the worst thing we had, but you know, it worked out fine. It, although it did involve a little bit of hair tugging as we went it's through it. And it always works out, right? Yeah. And the speakers, you know, hundred percent of our speakers were employed people. And so they were doing this on the side of their jobs. Right. And so right. we had to be understanding of their needs. And so it, it was a delicate balance and it, it definitely took a lot of time. So that was the closest thing we had to a dragon, I think, um, other than the occasional minor glitch that you saw just in the course of the event, you know, leading up to or during. When I was um, talking with Hanu uh, from Finland, he talked about something that they called a pre-mortem, which was sitting down as a team and figuring out what were all the things that could go wrong and then yeah. mitigating against it. I'd never heard that concept before, but I'm, I, we're going to definitely do that. I, I saw that in your, in your list of events. I have not listened to that one yet, and I'm really intrigued by that myself. It's, um, you know, it's risk management, really, is yeah, trying to think of yeah. all the possible places that can go wrong and, and plan against that. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned listening to uh, episodes. Have you, um, now that I've got a back catalog, ha- have there been episodes where you've learned some things and, and are implementing them? Um, well, I'll tell you about something that one of your episodes reported they did. And I listened to it, of course, after we'd had our event, and we did the same thing. And I can't remember which one said this, and I apologize for that. They talked about asking each audience member to sit in a different seat each time they sat back down in the audience. And um, we did the same thing last year, um, unbeknownst to us that, that others were doing that too. And 
we got some pushback on that. I was oh. quite fascinated by it. Oh. I, I was quite fascinated by it. There's a certain amount of territoriality about, about the seat. Yeah, there is. That's funny, <laughs> um, isn't but it? The, but the other side of that is in our after-event survey, over and over and over, we heard from people, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversations with people I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So there's an mm-hmm. interesting disconnect there. Mm-hmm. that They want to sit in the same seat with the people they know, but when they're out at the break, they want to talk to people they don't know. That was a kind of a funny thing for us. At um, part of the thing at TED is, you know, you kind of like you wait in line, you get, you try to get in there quickly, you want to get a great seat, and then you hear for the first time at the first break, take all your stuff with you because there's no saving seats. Yeah, and which forces you to find a different seat. I mean, you, you, yeah. it may be okay, I'm going to go give up some of my social time, get in line early and go back and get the mm-hmm. same seat. Well, great. Good for you. But the the fact that you call it out, that we want you to sit in another seat, yeah. we want you to meet other people. I, I love that. Um, it, now that you're a veteran, which is great. Uh, but well, you, it's, only relatively. Yeah. <laughs> you're still pre-TED uh, uh, or pre-TEDx. Um, let's pick first timers. You know, we have a lot of first timers and a lot of people who are thinking like, maybe I want to do a TEDx. So they haven't even pulled the trigger yet. Um, what, what advice would you give them? Keep your energy up, keep your eye on the prize and remember what it's all about. Mm. And when you're having a down day, get in front of your computer Find a TED or a TEDx talk that motivates you about your life. And remember that you're going to deliver that to mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. through your event. Mm-hmm. It, that's the prize that we're all aiming for. And so when it's frustrating, I think the best tool to, to pull that out is, is go see what's been done before. It, it, um, you know, that's, that's more of a motivational perspective. The other piece is get the right people on board. Yeah, You know, I've said that as before said, as I've lot, talked yeah. with you, but I would wager if we had not done that, it would have been much, much, much harder for us. It really would. So to me, that's, that's at the core of a successful event, be it TEDx or any other volunteer event. Like why are we doing as a good team? Right. Yeah. Why? And why? And make sure everybody's on the same team and was playing for the same exact goal. Yeah, that's that. It, it's it's interesting you say that because I I found that uh, in fact I'm writing this week uh, in I'm starting a newsletter with with hacking the red circle and I'm writing about this notion of um, are we uh, an event that needs an organization or are we an organization that produces an event. Hmm. That's really interesting. It's kind of a circular question, really. Well, yeah. It, a, ch- a chicken it, and egg. It, it is. And it's, um, I, I'm where I'll tell you, hey, spoiler alert. Uh, I'm coming out on that we're an organization that produces an event. And because I'm building a long-term sustainable organization, we happen to have an event. We may have more than one event eventually. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's like if we, if we think about it as we're creating an event and we have all the organization do the event, then we have event centric thinking. It's okay. The event's done. We're done. Well, not really. We're, 
this is where, you know, it's, what's ongoing, but I, I digress. Um, what are you looking forward to for November? Is that, by the way, is that an election day or is that darn, it feels like it's darn close to the midterm? I don't think it is this year. Oh, well, good. Well, no, it's a Saturday, so it won't be. Okay, so wow, good. you just kind of threw me for a second there. <laughs> um, we were only a few days before the 2016 election last year. So that was, that was interesting timing. I bet, yeah. Um, I am most looking forward to our slate of speakers. We uh, we're in the middle of our curation process right now. And without qualification, I can say we have more wonderful candidates than we have time to put on. Oh, wow. And it's, it's a beautiful problem to have. So what I'm, that to me has been the most fun of this has been the curation process that the three of us do together. And we'll, for now we're going to hold that to ourselves, but not just because it's fun, but because we have the vision of where we want yeah, to go. Sure. Of course. That, so I'm really looking forward to that and spreading the message to more people. Cause now that our hundred person cap is off, our hypothetical cap is 660 some. That's the capacity of the theater. Right. Um, I don't know that we'll get there in a year or two, but you know, aim you might. high. You might. What What's your theme for this year? Not yet established. Uh, no. It's, okay. Uh, so that's that. I want to talk about that for a second, if you don't mind. Um, and listener, appreciate your bearing with us. We've gone over our time, which I always do. So I don't even know why I think it's thirty minutes. Um, I found just just me personally that I have the hardest time wrapping my head around our event until we have a theme. Because oh. okay. I don't know how to give stage direction to the, the my set designer who wants as much time as possible. I don't know how to talk to the marketing people. I don't know when we're looking for speakers, what are we looking for? What areas, hmm. what, you know, I, I don't know any of that. And I'm I'm in this weird kind of funk. Uh, and, and thankfully I've got a crew that, you know, they know that. And, uh, it's, we, uh, in fact, we don't have a meeting until we have the theme. And, okay. uh, and so we figured that out, but you now, so tell me that, how does that work? Well, and we were feeling our way in year mm -hmm. one. So mm -hmm. year one, we did the same thing. We said, do we have the theme and then wrap our speakers around that? Or do we start to have some of our curated speakers and make sure that we have a compatible theme? Mm -hmm. And we found as we, we had this nebulous idea in mind last year, um, a, a different worldview. Uh, that isn't the theme we actually used in the end, which was to take a different perspective and look at things. Right. And that helped integrate as we were curating the speaker process. Yeah. yeah. And Interestingly enough, back to the network again, I was talking with a friend who'd seen a poster in the Milwaukee airport in security line and went to take a photo of it and realized that's illegal and uh, made a note of it instead. And the, and the poster was a quote by Albert Einstein. Uh, it said, uh, a great thought begins by seeing something differently with a shift of the mind's eye. And my friend told me about that because they knew we were in the midst of working with this a different worldview and said, do you think something like that might work for you? And the theme we took from that was a shift of the mind's eye. Oh, we extracted nice. from, from Albert Einstein's quote. But 
What we found was to be a little flexible in the beginning of the curation process and the theme building process for us helped us. I don't know if it would be the same for others. And we'll see if it worked as well this year right. for us. But we're going down roughly the same path again this year. You'll want to check back with me again in, in um, a few months to see yeah, if it worked as drop, well. Drop us a note. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. So, it's, so you let it organically reveal itself. If you it really it really did give birth to itself all along the curation process and I, I, you know the, the great what's one just one of the great things about TEDx is that we all do it differently you know we learn from one another but we do you know we do things differently um, so I I have this magical red carpet that can fly you to any TEDx in the world as our listener knows yeah. uh, well, you know I got have to tell you at TEDx uh, Ted Fest, I was able to meet the people from the top three TEDx's that wow. organizers want to go visit, and I told them yeah. that, and they were all excited. So, which which one are we jetting you off to? You're sending me to TEDx Sydney, yeah. no question. Yeah, that's number one. Um, I, I it, it how could I not? And I have friends in, that live in the city, so it's. Oh, I, I can't go any other way. He, he's going to have to reserve the like two rows. Um, I'm I'm having uh, the two. I'm I'm going to have uh, both the organizer and the head of marketing on the show here in the next couple of months. Cool. And um, after they've asked after their event, because you know there there's some magical something going on there um, that, that's just really interesting. So we're, we'll make sure that we save a seat for you there. And as, you. as you, as a listener of the show, you know that I like to end with, um, you know, we have to make something out of nothing, right? You know, we don't have yeah. an organization. We don't have the money. We don't have, sometimes we've never done this before. So we've got a, you know, MacGyver, uh, our, our uh, non-U.S. Uh, audience doesn't know what that means, but they know what hacking means. So what's, what's you know, in as few words as possible, what's your, what's your hack? Yeah. Get the right people on the team. Yeah. People that have a network themselves. Yeah. I, I, I knew that because you've said that six or seven times and I, <laughs> you know, I'm nothing if not get, consistent. Get, well, guess what? You, you know, you're, you're not, um, this is a very consistent theme from everyone. In fact, one of the interesting opportunities for me is to kind of connect the dots between all of these different interviews, right. To learn from that. And, um, this, this idea of getting the best people you can getting people you've worked with people that you trust, people that buy into the vision, people that want to do, as you know, we're all gainfully employed. So it's, we're asking to do a lot of extra work and we all want it to be better each year, but we also want it to be, kind of at that Ted level, right? We've seen those videos. Yeah. We know what that million yeah. dollar stage looks like, right? Yeah, I absolutely. That's the vision. I, if, if somebody, well, do you have time for a quick story? Please. Um, it, it's almost embarrassing to tell this story, but in one of our post post event interviews or not interviews, pardon me, the, the survey that Ted sends, one of the comments came back from one of the attendees who said, I kept stopping thinking I'm at TED, not a TEDx conference. And I 
that was extraordinarily gracious, but hugely complimentary. And if we can put that vision in anybody's head and do more the next time, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. That must have felt, I mean, I got goosebumps just like listening to you say that when you read that, when it came in, that just, y'all lit up when you did that. It was amazing. It was just amazing. That, that's a huge compliment. Why I, I want to end it there because I, I think that, Craig, that that is uh, a testament to what, what you guys are doing there and how earnest you are as a team. So thanks for joining us on Hacking You're the welcome. Red Circle. We, we wish you and your team the best and the, uh, the journey of your speakers on their road to the Red Circle. I hope it's not too bumpy for them and Hopefully they can listen to this and get a little bit more of the vibe of TEDx Oshkosh. Again, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.